And I pray that, that you feel God's presence um, here this morning. Um, I can't believe that, that 2018 is nearly over. It has been, I think, and I say, probably say this every year, but it's been the fastest year um, that I can remember. Um, but it's been an, an amazing year as well, as far as church goes. Um, we have, um, we had over 600 people um, on, on our friend day this past year. Like, that's amazing. We had over 500 people um, on, on Easter. Uh, we have um, had over 30 baptisms in 2018. Uh, yeah, celebrate that. Over, also over 30 uh, people have transferred their membership to be part of our family here. Like that, like that is amazing. I don't know if you guys understand that or not, but in church world, like that is amazing uh, for that to happen. And, and I don't take any credit for that because it's God uh, that does all of that. Um, but um, I do want to just say we have got, um, as a church, you've got an amazing group of leaders and, and elders here. And, and I want to thank them. Um, Sean Garrett and Don Hall and Tyler Nielsen and Danny Heaston and Kyle Hales. Like these guys, they, they love you and they love God more than, than you can imagine. They spent this last year and I, I gave them assignments and reading books and they have, they have tried so hard. To, to move and to take their next step in a life-changing relationship with God. Because one thing that we understand as leaders is that the congregation can never grow above the level of the leadership that we have. And so these guys are, are amazing men. Um, perfect? Goodness, no. And that's me included. But, but they, are, they are really amazing men. They, they care about you. And, and I said, if it wasn't for them and their, their leadership, um, we would not experience the growth that we have. Because one thing that I know is true in every area of life is that healthy things grow. Look at it in, in the animal world, in the plant world, in the organization world, business world, healthy things grow. And, and one of the indicators is of the, uh, that we grow is that we're pretty healthy here. We're not done though. The, the leadership, we're gonna continue to take our next steps um, in doing that. And another thing that I know is that growing things change. And, and one of our core values is growing people change, but also growing things change. And as we continue to grow and experience really unprecedented growth, like over, over 60 additions to the family in a year, like that really outgrew our leadership pretty quickly. And we've had to make some, uh, some decisions and, and change up some things. Like we're gonna have to continue to do that and continue to change things so we can continue to reach more and more people with the good news of Jesus. Um, and that's our goal. Um, and, and I'm not um, at all ever apologetic about that um, because the, the one mission that God gave us, that Jesus gave us before he ascended into heaven was to go into all of the world and make disciples of every nation, everyone. He wants to reach everyone with the good news of Jesus. And that's our goal. Um, and, and we're gonna continue to push through that. Um, and next week, uh, we're starting a brand new series called You in Five Years. You in Five Years. What are you gonna be in five years? And we're going to talk about that over the course of about five weeks, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so, so don't miss next week. Um, but this morning, um, what I want to do, because this is kind of a, an um, off-the-cuff the type sermon. It's not in part of a series. It's ending the year. Like, I just, I was thinking about how, what do I want to preach this week? And I thought, if I could just sit down with each and every one of you and, and maybe have a cup of coffee with you um, and, or, or have lunch with you, um, each and every one of you, what, what, would I, what would the conversation look like? What would I want for you? What would I wish for you? Um, so I come up with five things really that, that I would wish for you as we begin a new year. Um, and the first one is this, I wish that you would take your next step. I wish you'd take your next step. 
When it comes to you and your personal journey with Christ, I wish you would take your next step. You know, here's one of the things that I've learned through 24 years of ministry is that oftentimes we get so busy becoming good Christians that we forget to follow Jesus. Uh, and that happens if we're not careful. And, and it was never more evident to me than when I was in the Holy Land a couple of weeks ago. And by the way, I've been sick since I've been back, like miserable. And I've never been sick in my life except for the last two and a half weeks. But I've been sick. But there, there is a whole sect of Judaism. And this, this blew my mind. Where the, what the man does is the man marries a woman and he says, hey, you go work this menial job. We'll live like beggars. And all the husband does is he goes into the synagogue every single day and he studies the Old Testament scriptures for eight hours a day. And you think, oh, that's awesome. They missed Jesus. Like they completely missed him. And sometimes I think we become so caught up in religious activity and, and religious um, doing that we forget Jesus, that we miss him completely what he's calling us to do. Like we get so caught up in our to-do list. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. We get so wrapped up in, in spiritual activity that we never experience maturity. And the problem is it's because we never take our next step. And people push back and say, well, are you saying don't read the Bible? No, read your Bible. Read it every day. Spend time every day uh, listening to God and finding out what he has to say for you. Spend time praying every day, asking God to speak to you and show you what your next step is. Because when we look in the Bible, though, that we see that the most spiritually active people were the Pharisees. And those were the people that actually killed Jesus. Because when we get immersed in activity, apart from intimacy, it produces pride and arrogance. So we have to be careful when it comes to those things. Like, it's, it's amazing. But let's look at Jesus' invitation to people. Let's look at his invitation. And it's Matthew 4, 18 through 20. We're gonna look at a couple of these. But it says, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, uh, which by the way is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. It says, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and follow him. Look at that. Like Jesus didn't walk up to Peter and say, hey, I want you to come follow me and there's gonna be some tension between us and I'm gonna rebuke you. And at one point I'm even going to call you Satan. Like you're gonna deny me three times and at the end of your life, you're gonna end up getting crucified upside down. What do you think? You in? Because Peter would've been like, no. Peter ultimately though ended up giving up his life for Christ. But the, the call wasn't, hey, Peter, I've got this whole list of things for you to do. The call was simply follow me because Jesus knows that if we continually follow him day after day, eventually we'll become the people that he wants us to be. Eventually uh, we'll, we'll walk away from some of the things of the world. And, and we see that um, in, in this guy named Matthew. And I talked a lot about Matthew in 2018. Um, he, he really hit me. But Matthew was a tax collector. And we don't even have a category in our society for, for how bad a tax collector would have been, how, how morally bankrupt that a tax collector was. And it says this in Matthew 9, 9, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Like we don't know when Matthew stopped collecting taxes. We just know when he started following Jesus. Jesus, Jesus knows that if we follow him step by step, eventually we'll become who we need to be. And if there's something we need to walk away from, 
that we'll walk away from it because we're following Jesus. And he leads us away from things that are destructive and toward things that are good. And there's another story I wanna bring up. Because so, so far we've seen Peter take his next step and follow Jesus. We've seen Andrew take his next step and follow Jesus. We've seen Matthew take his next step and follow Jesus. But, but there's another story, another guy Jesus said, follow me to, and it's in Luke chapter nine, verse 59. He said to another man, follow me. And he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go proclaim the kingdom of God. The first time I read that, I thought, man, Jesus is savage. Like that, that's wrong. Like this guy just wants to go to his dad's funeral. But culturally, that wasn't what that meant. This guy's dad wouldn't have been dead yet. And what he was saying was, hey, I have some inheritance coming to me later on when my dad dies. Let me wait until my dad's dead and I get the inheritance and then I'll, make a, and I'll come back around to you, Jesus. Jesus is saying, hey, follow me. And this guy has an excuse of why I can't. And Jesus called Peter and he took his next step. He called Andrew and he took his next step. He called Matthew and he took his next step. What was this guy's name? Nobody knows. And it's not because he was evil. It wasn't because he was bad. It was because he decided that life is good right where I'm at and I don't need to take my next step. So the question that I get all the time from people is, well, what's my next step? And I don't know. But here's what I do know. God wants you to know what your next step is way more than you do. And what I've realized in my time in ministry is that most people already know what their next step is. They're just trying to find a way around taking it. So if you know what your next step is, take it. And it may be hard, but listen, how can God trust us with what's next if we're not obedient with what's now? Like we're all waiting for God to open up this big door and show us what's next, but we're not willing to take that step of what's now. And for you, I don't know what that may, it may be that, that you need to start serving or you need to start giving or that you need to walk away from an addiction to, to pornography or to alcohol or, or to, to drugs. It may be that you need to ask for forgiveness from somebody that you've wronged. It may need, mean that you need to forgive somebody that's wrong. I don't know. But the next step is essential for God to open up the door for what's next in your life. And I wish you would take that next step. The second thing that, that I wish for, for all of you is this, if you've fallen, I wish you'd get back up. I'm, I'm always people watching, I love it. A couple of weeks ago, I was watching this guy in the Walmart parking lot and he was texting and walking, um, which is pretty dangerous. Um, almost as dangerous as texting and driving. Um, but, but he, like, he had his head down and he was walking and, and I, could just, I was just watching. Like there was a cart that wasn't in the cart return booth. Like, if you, like put your cart away. I mean, it ain't that hard, it's not that far away. But he was walking and I thought, man, I should yell at him because he's gonna run right into that cart. It's like he's so entrenched in his texting, like he doesn't even know it's there. But if I tell him that I won't get to see him fall. <laughs> I know, I'm bad. If he hit that cart, and it rolled around and, and he fell down. His phone went sliding across the parking lot. Like it was so funny. Like he laid there for, for a couple of seconds and he got up and, and he laughed at himself, which made me feel a little better for laughing at him. But he went over and picked up his phone and he went right back to texting. 
And it kind of hit me like that's what we're supposed to do in life. All of us are going to fall down at some point. But we have to get back up. Shame and regret keep way too many people from doing what Jesus has called them to do. The Bible says this in Proverbs, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Now, I grew up thinking that the righteous don't fall. That's kind of what I was taught in my church culture. But that's not what the Bible teaches. It says, though the righteous fall seven times. Now, if I see someone fall once, that's one thing. But if I see someone fall seven times, now that's a problem. And the number seven in the Bible is a number of kind of of completion. So I think what, what Proverbs is saying there is even if you completely fall, you can still get back up. You're never too far from what God ha- has wanted you to. Um, and, and this wasn't even in my notes, but, but I was talking this morning about, about David kind of being a man after God's own heart. And why was David a man after God's own heart? It wasn't because he didn't fall. Like we can look through David's life and see that he had fallen. Like he had an affair, had a, a child out of wedlock. He had killed, um, uh, had um, Bathsheba's husband Uriah killed in, in the battle. And then he got back up and was a man after God's own heart. God told him one time, hey, go into this battle and, and, and don't worry about it. I've got it taken care of. You don't even need to know how many men you're gonna take. And David went and he wanted to count everybody. And he lost the battle because he didn't do what God had asked him to do. He fell. Like though the righteous fall, they get back up. And if you've fallen, like I understand but get back up. Here's the thing, God knows about the addiction. God knows about the abortion. God knows about the problems. God knows about the issues. God knows, and instead of sitting in shame, the Bible says the righteous person gets back up. So if you've fallen, I wish you'd get back up. And the third thing is that I wish you could be a part of, of someone giving their life to Christ. It is absolutely, hands down, the most amazing thing on the planet. Like I, I could tell you story upon story about people um, that I've had the opportunity to lead to Christ. It, it's what I'm passionate about. And I just want to tell you one, and, and I've shared this before, so I won't go into a lot of detail about it. Um, it, was, it was a kid named David Snap, and his nickname, uh, many of you will probably remember, was Pookie. Um, and he was a hillbilly. Like he was 19 years old, he was the same age I was when I started in the ministry. Um, and and I'm, I'm talking hillbilly like Southern Illinois has never seen hillbilly. Like I, I love the guy. But Pookie was dating a girl, uh, a foster girl that was um, coming to our church. Neither one of them were really Christians, um, Pookie and, and Tasha. And I, I met with them and was able to share Christ with them. And Pookie, man, he was ready to, uh, to give his life to Christ. So we, we met, we baptized him. He was going to share his testimony um, at church one evening. And, and he did that. And, I, and I've told you before, like he got beat up by people for wearing a hat in the sanctuary. Like Pookie never came back to church. And I decided right then and there that if I was going to continue to be in ministry, I was going to do whatever it took to create an environment where non-church people love to come, where people were not going to be beat up for, for their, their skin color. I dealt a lot with that, of racism in Kentucky. People weren't going to be uh, beat up for what they did last night. 
people weren't gonna be beat up for their lifestyle? Like, cause here's the thing, the biggest problem in people's lives is not what they did, what they took, what they drank, who they slept with. Their biggest problem in life is that they don't know Jesus. And if we can get them here and we can teach them about Jesus and they begin to follow Jesus, they will walk away from those destructive behaviors in their life and come to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus will lead us away from the destructive behavior and put us into a place where it's good. That's what he wants. So, so we're gonna create an environment where people just simply, non-church people simply love to come. So Jesus' command in Mark 16, 15 was to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And one of the things I love about that verse is that the disciples, like they had no idea. Like if they were gonna go into all the world, they were gonna have to get on a boat, sail for who knows how long. They didn't know how big the world was at that point. Sail forever, walk all over the place. And yet they did, they changed their world. But today, like we can, we can reach nearly the entire world with a text. In fact, a part of most of the entire world, people from several different countries are gonna be watching us online um, in just a few hours. And at the end of the day, I wanna create an environment here at KCC where anyone can walk in the door and hopefully over time, they'll meet Jesus and have a life-changing relationship with him. And here's the thing, I want you to be a part of that. The sad thing is, one of the things that breaks my heart is the statistics says 93% of Christ followers, disciples, people who claim to be Christians have never shared their faith with another person. 93%. But I want you to experience that because it is the greatest thing in the world because it impacts eternity. And that's another reason I wanna create an environment here that if you invite people in, like I'll share Jesus every single week and we'll see people accept him. We'll see lives get changed because I know it's difficult to, to, to sit down with friends and family and say, hey, you really need to talk about Jesus. But if we can create an environment where you can say, hey, why don't you come to church and, and you'll hear about Jesus. And granted, listen, that's not the best option. The best option is that you go out and share your faith. But we wanna make it as easy as possible here. And I wish that you would experience the, the joy of seeing someone give their life to Christ because of your influence. The fourth thing is that I wish you'd feel safe enough to be honest about where you are. Like I, I'm a man uh, most of the time. <laughs> and, and, and all men have, have some things in common, I think. Like when we're driving and we're lost, we won't stop and ask for directions. And if you do, I question your manhood. And another thing we have in common is, is that when we're driving and we're lost, we drive faster, thinking that we're gonna drive our way out of the lostness. You know, I heard this the other day from a preacher. He said, the church folks are the least likely to admit that they have a problem. And I would add to that, the church folk are the least likely to admit they have a problem. And the reason why is that they've seen what happens to church folks that admit they have had a problem because they just kind of disappear. So in church culture, we feel like we have to put this front on and pretend like everything is okay, even if it's falling apart, because we don't want to admit that we have a problem. Now listen, you can't get well until you confess. You know, James writes about that. He said, we confess our sins to one another for healing. We confess to God for forgiveness and God forgives. We confess to one another for healing. 
That doesn't mean you have to come up and confess in front of the whole congregation. It means you find somebody who loves you and loves Jesus and you confess to them and you'll get healing. I love this story in, in Mark um, in verse, chapter 10, verse 46 through 52. It says, then they came to Jericho in which that in and of itself is, um, is kind of significant because Jericho, if, if you know the scripture, you know, like Jericho was a cursed city. Like from, from the time the, that the walls were built and the walls fell down, like God put a curse on Jericho. So like Jesus isn't afraid to go to the cursed. Like there, there's nothing too far gone for, for Jesus to go to. It says, as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the, the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Listen, he didn't make excuses. That's what I love about this guy. Like he didn't make excuses for what he didn't have. Like he didn't have eyes. He couldn't see. But he simply used what he had. He had a mouth and he had ears. And when he heard that it was Jesus, he began to shout for him. Because we can sit around making excuses for all of the things that we do and all the things that we don't have. Or we can take what we have and take our next step in a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Because when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Same people that were rebuking him, by the way. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. He didn't say, man, I'm having some issues with my sight. He didn't say, I need a, a few bucks to get through the day. Maybe, maybe I can buy a new cane and help me walk through. He said, I have a problem and I want to see. Go said, Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Listen, he got well because he was willing to admit that he was blind. We can't get right with God until we're willing to admit what's wrong. So I want a church where you can walk in and not have to pretend that everything's okay. That you can be honest about where you are. And this last one, and, and I want you to listen to me. Like, I wish you would understand that I am not perfect. Like, I've said this before, um, but I really want you to understand this. Because one of the things that, that about me that I hate is I hate to disappoint people. I do, I, I hate to say no to people. Like I, I have, one of my biggest issues in life is that, that I want to be a people pleaser. Like people ask me sometimes, hey, what's your, what's your favorite movie? And I'll start talking about serial killers and stuff. Yeah, like I, I'm jacked up, y'all. And the reason I'm saying this is because if you're looking for, for a church that has a, a morally superior pastor, I said, listen, I'm not your guy. I struggle just like everybody else. You know, the other day I was driving down the road and a guy pulled out in front of me and I hit my brakes and the thought went through my head that I just wanted to hit him. Like, I don't have everything together. But, but here's my promise to you, that every single day I wake up and I'm looking to take my next step. Like, I wanna follow Jesus as closely as I can. You know, here's what the apostle Paul said. And listen, I'm not even 
I'm not even the same arena as the Apostle Paul. Like this guy, like people would take his clothes and touch sick people with them and they'd be healed. I mean, you take this shirt and you touch somebody with it, they're just gonna be sick and stinky. But this is what Paul said. He said, not that I've already obtained all this. He said, I'm, I'm not where I need to be. Like this is Apostle Paul. Or I've already arrived at my goal. He said, but what I do is I, I take hold of, I press on. I press on. Like every day I'm trying to take my next step. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul said, I press on. And the guarantee that, that I'll make you is one is that I'll never be morally superior. But every day I will wake up and give it my best shot. So what about you? What is your next step? What is, what is your best shot this morning? You know, we're gonna sing a, a song uh, called No Longer Slaves. And, and it's just as I was sitting there and, and knew that's what we were singing this morning, just kind of crept into my head about the nation of Israel as they're being led out of slavery. And they've seen the Red Sea parted and then God let them walk through on dry land. They've wandered around hungry in, in the wilderness and God fed them with, with a miracle bread from heaven. They got to a point where they just began to complain and, and argue against Moses. And they said, man, we had it so much better in Egypt. Why don't we just go back to Egypt? Like they were slaves. They worked for about 400 years of their existence. They were, were abused and, and, and made to, to work hard labor under different pharaohs and rulers and kings. And they looked at it and they got to a point in the road where their next step was gonna be difficult. And they said, you know what? Let's just go back to slavery. Let's just go back to what we know because it's easy. And for some of you, that's where you're at right now. You're thinking, man, I don't know. This next step I have is hard. Maybe, I, maybe it's easier for me just to walk back to slavery. Man. It may be easier to walk back to slavery. But God's call is for you to take your next step. So whatever that is this morning, I'm gonna ask you to stand. We're gonna pray. And I'm gonna ask you to experience that freedom that you're no longer a slave. You don't have to go back to slavery. You don't have to live there anymore. Jesus paid the price to set you free. Father God, I'm thankful today for who you are. I'm thankful for the way that you work in our lives. I'm thankful for the calling that we have to, to take our next step. And I pray today, right now, everyone in this room would, would understand and know what their next step is. And I pray that they'd be willing to do whatever it takes to take that step. That they'd be done with slavery and that they'd walk into freedom. Father, I thank you for Jesus who was willing to take his next step all the way to the cross. It's in his name that I pray.